lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Aaron McIntyre and returning to his seat, our good friend Todd Erzin, uh, your daughter Ainsley, running at the prestigious Drake Relays, one of the biggest track and field events in the country every year. It's right here in our own backyard. How'd you do? Did you guys have a good time? We had a great time. Uh, she repeated as uh, 800 champion. She won the 1500 for the first time and came three t- three hundredths of a second from winning the 400, which would have been the first time ever that a girl had won the four, the eight, and the 15. So, wow, photo finish to almost doing that. It was a great weekend. Wow. Well, congratulations. She's got to be getting ready to head down to campus, uh, the University of Arkansas here, right? I got two months left, brother. Yeah, June is typically when they start heading heading down, the college athletes. Yeah, she. it's it's the uh, July 4th weekend. Yeah, so I think so, right at the end of the June. I know, you're trying to make me cry, aren't you? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. No, it's going to happen. Just, uh, you know, maximize the time you have I left, know. brother. So what a great weekend. So congrats to the uh, Erzin family. Let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, MeWe Parlor and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter and Getter. And also at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social, where I am attempting as we speak to break their algorithm over there uh, at Truth Social, or at least put their name to the test. And we'll get into that in today's overtime at blazetv.com slash dace, which we will record right after today's program for Blaze TV subscribers to then download later today. And if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, blazetv.com slash dace is also where you can go to become one and get a discounted subscription today. blazetv.com slash dace. Coming up on today's show, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Turns out... Uh, he made a big announcement last week, which we highlighted, and then we learned later from the pages of the New York Times that uh, the keynote speaker for this year's Leadership Summit is the man who easily, I believe that was the term they used, easily, uh, host the most racist show in the history of cable news. So we will ask Bob, how does he feel about bringing a known accused race, cre- I'm sorry, what is the term? Uh, credibly accused. That's the term, right? Credibly accused. Uh, bringing a credibly accused racist in to keynote this summer's Leadership Summit. Uh, We will get into that uh, with Bob at the bottom of this hour. Next hour, the few, the proud. Those of you on Facebook who can actually see my posts, uh, you get to do the Ask Me Anything on the Monday Town Hall in hour two, so we look forward to that. Did we we even get a Facebook question uh, this time? Because I literally, like, no one sees anything I post on Facebook. Like, there's a shadow ban, and then there's just, like, Will you please bleep and just ban me now and make it official? There's nothing shadowy about it. It's just a ban, okay? It's just I can still log on. I mean, so do we get any questions on Facebook? I was able to do the job that you asked me to do. You were able to call a few? Yes. Did we get some good ones? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Did we get questions other than... How come I can't see your posts? Did we get anything other than that? I didn't even see one of those. <laughs> right. So we'll get into the Ask Me Anything next hour. But before we do all of that, we begin as we always do 
With Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the border. The nation's southern border is once again overrun by illegal aliens taking advantage of porous border policy. Sex offenders and gang members, a Turkish national suspected of providing assistance to terrorist organizations in Texas, multiple homicide suspects in Arizona, all part of the minority apprehended in the last week. This photo shows a large stream of illegals trekking through a private ranch in Kinney County, Texas, late last week, adding to the total of at least 300,000 so-called known getaways since October. Congressman Chip Roy absolutely lit up Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over his lack of action at the Mexico border. Mr. Secretary, do you know what this is? This is a mobile morgue, a body trailer needed by counties in South Texas overwhelmed by dead migrants. That particular trailer is filled with these bodies, 27 bodies that were stored in this mobile morgue in South Texas with dead bodies of migrants. Dead bodies like this one found on a ranch just three weeks ago in South Texas, a dead migrant. Somehow that's compassion. How about the dead bodies found by migrants? Compassion. How about the ranchers? who had to walk out of their door, and this is what they faced. Gentlemen with rocks threatening a rancher in South Texas, only able to be saved when they were able to bring their dogs out to scare the people away in order to save themselves. Or the fact that you've got houses being attacked, you've got livestock dead on the side because we've got ranches wide open. How about the little girl here with a brand on her arm? A little girl with a brand on her arm because of your policies. A little girl here in the desert found by ranchers trying to save their life. And how about the lost voices for people dying from fentanyl? The hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of Americans dying from fentanyl. Faces, faces of Americans, faces of Americans across this country dying because of fentanyl pouring into our country. Time of the gentleman has expired. You know full well. Time of the gentleman has expired. Encouraging people to come here, harming Texas and harming this country. Time of you the- know it. Meanwhile, at the White House. You know, I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up. That's the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which Dr. Anthony Fauci said last week he could not attend after deciding it was too risky. But he did attend the pre-party maskless to take this selfie with CNN host Don Lemon. Enhance. Enhance. Yes, that's the help in the background. Dutifully wearing his mask. Anyway, back to DHS Chief Alejandro Mayorkas. Remember last week he announced a so-called disinformation governance board? That brings us to this. This woman is Nina Jenkwich. Apparently, Kamala Harris clued her in because Jenkwich is the woman tapped by Mayorkas and the Biden administration to head up the new Ministry of Truth. Let's take a look at her record. Back in early 2020, she said the executive branch shouldn't be policing what is and isn't fake news. Imagine that, you know, with President Trump right now calling all of these news organizations that have uh, inconvenient for him stories that they that they're getting out there that he's calling fake news and now lashing out at platforms. I would never want to see 
our executive branch have that sort of power. Um, and that's why, you know, the legislative process with our duly elected uh, officials is really important. That sort of consultative rulemaking process. Also back in 2020, she called herself a lockdown evangelist, said the U.S. is too free spirited when it comes to lockdowns. Quote, so force away, lock us down. People are not taking this seriously. She also called for a ban on advertisements for face masks in early March of 2020 calling their use pure disinformation before tweeting in December. Imagine all the deaths that could have been avoided if they had done the same with mask wearing in March and April. She's also quite proficient at cringe. Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. Alejandro Mayorkas told Politico over the weekend that calling the Ministry of Truth the Ministry of Truth is just misinformation. Moving on and in completely unrelated news, the New York Times published a multi-part hit piece on Fox News host Tucker Carlson over the weekend, attempting to smear him as racist. As political strategist Greg Price pointed out in their effort, the New York Times traced Carlson's ancestors back to 1850, assigned nine reporters to watch every episode of his show, but couldn't be bothered to ask Hunter Biden if he ever forgot a laptop at a repair shop. CNN, your thoughts? We gave over our uh, what amounts to our airwaves or our internet waves to Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. Mm. And we are in so much trouble. You need you need controls on this. You need regulation. You cannot let these guys control discourse in this country or we are headed to hell. We are there. Groomer update. Meet Nashville's trans, queer, Latinx, neurodivergent public theologian. What? It's real. The not yet is the imaginal space of becoming. The not yet is, is in the space of a realized utopia. The not yet is the Christian message the that we must embody in critical and creative by ways. By transmitting the effervescence of the Indonesian proximity in order to further segregate the, kind of the crux of my venereal infection. And finally, Senator Ted Cruz tweets, Ayid Mubarak to all Muslims celebrating in Texas and around the world. Heidi and I want to wish you and your families a blessed Ayid. And that's what happened while we were away. I can't. Looking at that tweet again, I just, I can't. Aaron should have superimposed the living color over that tweet too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> you cut me deep, Shrek. <laughs> you cut me deep. All right. I had to step into the breach. Knowing knowing both of those individuals fairly well, here's one thing I can promise you. Heidi Cruz doesn't know what a mother bleep Aid is and doesn't care. Like almost all of you, frankly, I can I can promise you that that is the case. I can promise you that that's the case. Uh, Aaron's montage is brought to you by a blessed Aid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's try it again. 
Sports Montage brought to you by friends over at My Patriot Supply, especially in light of what we just discussed. Always a good time to be prepared for the end, you know, whether it's your career, credibility or the world. You know, whichever comes first, um, you can uh, avoid the painful food shortages that they are uh, they are reminding us are coming. And didn't we have yet another food processing plant get uh, torched yes. over the weekend? Is this like eight or nine of these and one of the oh, most mysterious? I think it's more. Is it more than that? Yes. OK. All right. So uh, these are food kits in all seriousness that stay fresh for up to 25 years with proper storage, breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, even snacks. So you get your full 2000 plus calories a day. And right now you can save $150 off with a three month emergency food kit from my Patriot supply and get free shipping three months off and free shipping and, uh, or I'm sorry, $150 off the three month, uh, supply and free shipping. I'll get it right. You know, I just had, I truly tore it up yesterday on that blessed Aid, man. I've got your classic Aid hangover right now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, I mean, the amount of bacon we consumed yesterday on that blessed Aid, just forgive me. It's just meat sweats. Let me try that one again. Okay. Uh, you can get a three month food supply for $150 off. And that's before we even throw in the blessed Aid discount folks. Call when you contact my Patriot Supply. Ask them. Ask them about the My Blessed IED discount. And if they don't have one, then of course call them racists. Uh, right now, take advantage of that when you go to preparewithdace.com. Again, that is preparewithdace.com and have a blessed, uh, whatever the bleep IED is. Uh, enjoy that. Thoughts? No? It's good to be back. All right, let's move on, shall we? Um, uh, I was. Yeah, let's just move on. Uh, let, let's get to the disinformation queen, the, the, the ministry of truth. This is perfect. I mean, she is Karen incarnate. Other than Richard Levine, the purest embodiment of the spirit of the age, the woman is the Democrats' number one base. I mean, the only group... When you look at it across the board, the only group that they have not lost substantial ground with so far in the Biden presidency is one. Affluent, woke, white women. That's it. In fact, they've actually gained a couple points. Because they they won't be mansplained. They just won't. There is no amount of inflation... There is no amount of criminals being let that could be let out of prison. Human traffickers and sex traffickers that could be allowed through our porous border. There is no amount. They have their priorities in order. They will not be mansplained. Because Beth Moore told them not to. So that is the one group. That is the one group in the United States, blacks, Hispanics. Every other group. Literally, every other group they have lost ground with, except for who this woman is. Affluent, white, woke women. That's the only group they've actually gained in support. One of the greatest polls I've ever seen in the history of Twitter is Lisa Marie Booth, after these videos came out, put out a poll over the weekend that said 
How many cats does this lady own? <laughs> oh, that was a great snotty question. I wish I would have came up with on my own, but could it have been anybody else? It could not have been anybody else. It, it had to be this. This is, this is perfect casting. It doesn't get any better than this. This is straight central casting, straight out of the deep, dark corridors of the bowels of hell. If we were going to have, given, given what this culture has become, given how dumb all of this is, if we were going to have a ministry of truth, it couldn't be anybody else other than her. She's perfect. True, but that being said, on Thursday in the overtime, you made us do a thing where we had to choose between Amber Heard and Meghan Markle. If you ever do one where we have to choose and she's involved with it, I will hurt you. I'm done. There will be consequences. (laughs) I hadn't even thought about it. I'm drawing that line. I'm planting that flag right now. Don't think about it. Don't (laughs) think about it. It only is good if I blindside you with it. But no, I wish I would have thought of that. Tomorrow's overtime. Meghan Markle or what's her name? Jankwitch? Which I don't know. Yeah, which, which is which Something is which? Witch. Which is which? Indeed. Aaron, your thoughts? Um, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking, uh, can we get some better villains over nope. here? And then I realized, no, we actually deserve the most cringy, the most cringy form of villain. Because as a society, we are a cringe-worthy society right now and culture. We're not just, we're not just, it's, it's one thing if you're the Roman Empire and you're embracing all forms of depravity, just embracing all forms of depravity. We still like to think that we are America. A lot of us really do. And uh, of the disciples of, of people like that Nina lady, that Nina something witch, they think that they're being virtuous. Uh, do you think the Romans thought that they were virtuous? No, this was just what you did. You think you're being virtuous by uh, embracing all of this nonsense. No, that is, that is cringeworthy. And we reap what we sow. We, we've, become, we've become so embarrassing, so nauseating. We deserve embarrassing and nauseating villains. Happy Monday, by the way. Thank you. And this, this, I used to lament this on the show, what you were just describing. In fact, I was even lamenting it again just recently. I mean, Alexander the Great, Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, Napoleon. I mean, and by the way, I just learned over the weekend, the same production crew that did Gladiator, they're doing Napoleon right now. No, I think that might turn out to be pretty good. But these were villains. These were these were villains that brought down previous great civilizations. They were they were the instrument of judgment against those civilizations. Nebuchadnezzar. Doesn't that just sound like a badass? Right. Get up in the morning, man. You're a. Fifth century B.C. little Jewish boy. That sounds like the kind of stuff, hey man, make sure you read your Torah and get the farm work done or Nebuchadnezzar will be outside the city gate. That'll scare you straight hearing that name like Nebuchadnezzar, right? Okay? No. 
We got Jankwitch. Whatever the hell her name is. That's what we got. And we got we got Richard Levine. That's who we got. But when you stop and think about it, it's divinely perfect because must m- much of our culture is cringe. Much of what we believe is cringe. Much of what we want to impose on one another is cringe. It's it's the number one app right now in the country is a, is a is called TikTok that is so obviously Chinese spyware. Even our own military that is largely controlled or deferential to the Shycoms won't allow its enlisted members upon it. Right? It's just perfect. It, it, it's absolutely. Uh, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. We always reap what we sow. Paul's warning in Galatians, right? This is really perfect in many respects. It's, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own it now. I'm not going to lament it any longer. I'm going to embrace it now. And I am going to mock and scorn it with every fiber of my being as often as I possibly can. Absolutely. There there are times, uh, though, when there are and many more times over and over again where there are lives at stake because of this. And you can feel. Wait a minute. Did you guys break it? No, no, I didn't want to interrupt you. During the Drake relays, did you guys make sure to observe a solemn blessed (laughs) Ied? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh Wow. We live here. I told uh, you I was going to mock it yeah. and scorn it with every fiber of my yeah. being, right? Yeah, well, yeah. our list of allies grows thin, Aragorn. One that's left, though, uh, and I know he's feeling what you're feeling, but there are times when it, it there's no punchline. Chip Roy, just knowing that there's flat-out traitors like Mayorkas in front of him and Nadler with his pants pulled up to his nipples, hammering the gavel behind him. You can tell Chip Roy's doing everything he can not to just rip their head off right there in the Capitol because it's the exact same enemy that he's confronting and Steve is talking. It is a punchline. Those aren't the, those are clowns too, but there's a lot of clowns that should get straight out of the clown car and be thrown in jail. If not something worse, because they, they hate this country and they are in the halls of the Capitol that houses the legislature that is supposed to be one of the defining bodies of freedom in all of human history. We, the people, and they are gutting it from when they are flat out traitors. And I share every bit of anger that Chipra had. I think you might've just helped me uncover why I am so distraught about the Scott Atlas book that we've been studying on theology Thursdays. It's, it's not just that everything I feared was going on or wasn't going on in the Trump White House. We, we get first person confirmation that that's all true. I mean, we've been let down by politicians before, Mm -hmm. right? We, we've seen politicians go from read my lips to largest tax increase in American history at the time and then wonder why they don't get Mm reelected. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, There's nothing new where that's concerned under the sun. 
It's the fact that as, as I got to the end of the book, I realized that Anthony Fauci was largely a bit character in, in, in this portion of the story, that this was a two-front war. Like, you know, you've got the European theater and the Pacific theater. Fauci's in the Pacific theater, man, doing his own thing. Just being allowed to run a shadow government and, and just out of, just in total control of the, the, of the federal bureaucracy. Handed, it was just essentially handed to him outsourced to him by the Trump administration. But but we knew that all along, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we could see that transpiring all along. And if you watch the evolution of our show in 2020, it went from, I'm just never going to glom onto the guy that everybody tells me is infallible. I'm a Protestant. I just don't, I don't do that. I'm instantly suspicious. The first time you tell me someone's unassailable, infallible, well, that's going to be a no from me, dog. And I'm going to need verification of that because I'm also into total depravity. But it was just, you know, let's ask questions. Then it got into why aren't you asking these kinds of questions in the White House? Then it got into why are you letting this guy usurp your authority? And then it got into you totally handed over your authority and continue to do it. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we went through this evolution in yes. real time on our show in 2020. With Burks, if if they had if they had announced last week that Debbie Burks was the head of the Ministry of Information, would it have shocked you? No, she's a perfect fit too. Sure, and in many respects, what Atlas depicts the the blowups, the emotional, the you know, for for all of the claims of we're like men now and feminists. In many respects, women like Burks are complete and total uh, stereotypes. Uh, that chauvinistic stereotypes in many ways in the way that they behave in such settings. There's very little professionalism there. I can't tolerate any pushback whatsoever. And then I'll just do the most, the oldest feminine trick in the book. If I don't get my way, I'll start crying. And that'll unnerve the men around me and they'll be like, okay, what do you, what do we, how do we make this stop? Right? I mean, this is, this, this is repeats itself in this book over and over again. And I, and I think that's the thing that bothers me the most is I don't excuse it, but I understand to a degree being outsmarted, outlasted, and outwitted by a leviathan of the swamp beast who was there long before you got there and will likely be there long after you're gone, which he's still there and the Trump White House exists no more, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. They brought the Karen in. They brought her in with her bedazzled face shields and her lack of data and all feeling and all emotion and, and no, and, and no actual scientific standard whatsoever. And she has to be constantly affirmed and cannot be challenged on any level whatsoever. How many chauvinistic stereotypes can one woman possibly check the box for? She checks the box for them all. And I think that's the thing. She ought to be in a prison cell She's one of the two reasons that Donald Trump is not in the White House right now. And he gave her the indirect means by which to take him out. And Mike Pence had the direct means to do it. And now they're not the ones making decisions. But we've got this demonic administration and we're all suffering as a result. They brought that element in. They made it the face and the voice of White House policy. There is no difference between Debbie Burks and this woman that the Biden administration picked to run the Ministry of Truth other than one of them's postmenopausal. That's the only difference. One of them just got born a few decades before the other one did. They're the same person. 
It could be a mother-daughter act, for goodness sakes. Am I wrong? No, you're not. And I think that's the thing that bothers me so... Now that, now that we can put a finger on it, is they couldn't even bring themselves to confront Fauci because they openly allowed a Karen loose within their own administration. I spent all of 2020 saying, why do you let this guy just go off and do whatever the hell he wants and undermine you? And then we find out from Scott Atlas that the real reason why was because they had a tumor unleashed in their own administration that they frankly didn't even have time to confront Fauci because they were cleaning up after her dropped scarves and her hurt feelings. Remember during uh, 2016 that... Or Trump won, but we're talking about the lead up to his uh, presidency before he was inaugurated. And we talked about the power that his daughter may or may not have and couldn't possibly believe that, you know, this guy didn't own Manhattan because his daughter could just like puppet master him. It's like, there's no way that's going to happen. And we learned, of course. Yeah. That's happened. We see this in this book with her, with her oh, husband. This is the, just an extension of but daddy, basically. Is, so yeah. this yeah. is an extension right. of this couldn't possibly happen with Trump because I'm the deal maker. No, everybody makes. That's the thing. People are making deals like crazy on him at his expense in his White House. The reverse was true. But I, this has been a very kind of uh, depressing, very depressing conversation, especially for a, a Monday. But when you look at a place like Florida, though, you have to have a little bit of hope. After all, yesterday they had a very blessed Aid Mubarak, so there's that. <laughs> I don't think we've even come close to running that into the ground yet. Agreed? Agreed. I mean, I think that one's got at least a couple of, a couple more days. Until the fatwa comes. <laughs> Indeed. Assalamu alaikum. I can't think of a better day uh, than the occasion of Aid Mubarak uh, to stop. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> Oh, shalom. Uh, uh, wrong religion. Uh, to take <laughs> to take a look. Uh, don't 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 say that the next time you go to the Middle East. Don't walk down the street and someone wish you Aid Mubarak. Don't respond with a shalom. Okay, unless you're armed. All right, uh, but I can't think of a better occasion. Hello. Than on this date, the solemn occasion of Aid Mubarak to seriously take a look at the education that your kids are getting. Here's a way to find out. Do your kids know? What a mother bleep in Ayid Mubarak is. Yes. Pull them out of those schools right away. Okay. And contact our friends at Freedom Project Academy, where they will not be taught what an Ayid Mubarak is because they're not trying to brainwash your children. They don't try to teach your children what to think, but how to think. They actually encourage things like critical thinking. So that maybe they don't fall prey into a religion where a guy walked, encountered a demon in a cave, claimed it was an angel, and the whole thing is based off uh, him reciting what he was told by said demon, even though he can't read or write. And we have about a couple hundred years between that event and an actual reliable 
full-length manuscript of his sayings, which is why his followers broke down into two camps right away and fought a war for the next 1,600 years about which one of them actually had the right sayings. You don't want that to happen to your civilization. So make sure you educate your children at a place like Freedom Project Academy and not all the other places so that it does not. And if you want to get more and free information right now, because classes are already filling up for the fall, head over to freedomforschool.com. That is freedomforschool.com. We now welcome in our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from here at The Family Leader. How are you, Bob? I'm doing really well. I'm thrilled that you have that advertisement uh, for parents to take charge of their children where they go to school. Mm -hmm. Well, we just saw here in Iowa in a public school, Lindmar Public School District, is how can we strip parents of their rights? You just had a president of the United States and Joe Biden saying, these are your kids. These aren't the parents' kids. Uh, parents need to re-engage with their rights when it comes to the educating and nurturing of their youth. But yeah, I'm doing well. You know, you and I both uh, served on the Ted Cruz for President campaign in 2016. And I remember thinking, you know, at the time, you know, we were heading down the uh, stretch run of that campaign, you know, at the end of April, heading into that Indiana primary. And we all kind of figured it was kind of do or die for us. I mean, I kind of thought at the time it was weird to take just a, a day off, um, you know, and ha in, in order to mark a blessed Aid Mubarak, you know. But, you know, I, we had no idea that he was really just progressive and ahead of his time because now he's tweeting out blessed Aid Mubarak's as well. Your thoughts. Do you even know what that is? I have no idea what that is. Uh, I saw you share that tweet uh, with me this morning. Uh, yeah, that I do not get. I do remember the Indiana primary very well. I remember flying in to see Carly Fiorina you know, be announced as his potential vice presidential pick. And I knew we were in trouble when we landed Mike Pence as the endorsement and Donald Trump landed Bobby Knight as his endorsement. Especially when Mike Pence then spoke. And, and most of the time he spoke about how much he loved himself, some, some Donald Trump. So uh, that went great. Um, but uh, here's a memo. Don't let your staff have control of your Senate account and tweet out virtue signals. Because like I said a few minutes ago, not only am I fairly confident that Heidi Cruz doesn't know what the bleep Ayyid Mubarak is, I'm even more confident that Ted Cruz does not, okay? I promise you, he does not know what Ayyid Mubarak is. And I can confidently say that I have no idea what that is. Yes. So let's move on. Let's move on. Um, do you know what a racist is? Yes, I do. Okay, because according to the venerable New York Times, your organization made quite the announcement last week. Uh, you guys, your keynote speaker is what is the, quote, easily most racist, uh, end quote, uh, cable news TV host of all time. And I can't think of a better setting for him than the Family Leader Leadership Summit. Or is the New York Times wrong? Your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think the New York Times is wrong most of the time. But we're thrilled to be having Tucker Carlson come to our leadership summit. And people ask us, you know, why would you invite Tucker? Uh, we invite leaders to our leadership summit. Uh, this guy has the largest national audience of any cable news host uh, anywhere, obviously, in the country. And he has a lot, of, a lot of our followers following him, listening to him every night. And so invited Tucker in and was very upfront with Tucker. I don't want this to be your TV show. I don't want to be the current issue of the day. I want this to be about Tucker Carlson. What drives you? What drives you? What's, what are your principles? 
Uh, he's had a major turning point in his life. I'd love to have him communicate about that turning point. I think it'd give his audience a fresh perspective, and the New York Times a fresh perspective, too, about who Tucker Carlson is and what motivates him in, in leading the country's uh, most talked about and most watched uh, cable news outlet. What is... I think the answer to this is obvious, but let's ask the question anyway. What is it about him that they could possibly consider to be racist other than disagreeing with you means the only reason someone would disagree with you is they're some form of a lower life form. They're racist, misogynistic, there is, you know, the old Rush Limbaugh line, uh, racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic bigot. Um, they, 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 is, is there anything other than that? Because I don't think that there is. That's why I'm asking you. No, I don't think there's at all. But I think it goes more than that. It's just not that he disagrees. He's willing to ask the tough questions. He's asking questions that the New York Times says you're not allowed to ask that. He's actually trying to have a constructive intellectual dialogue to make people think, why do you believe what you believe to be really real? And the thing is, he's asked those tough questions of then-president and candidate Donald Trump. He's asked that of Senator Ted Cruz. He's asked that of anybody who's come on his show. He, If you're going on Tucker Carlson's show to be interviewed— uh, whether you're Steve Dace, Bob Arnpots, or Donald Trump, or somebody else, you better be prepared because he may ask you the question that he really wants to have answered for his audience. And I think it stimulates the debate, and that's why people gravitate toward his show. I think what this also indicates, therefore, is this is the kind of stuff that for the last 20 or 30 years that, you know, the Mother Joneses and Voxes and um, you know, uh, those sorts of the salons, this is, this would be their language, but it would, it would largely be left out of the, of a venerable esteemed place like the New York times. Um, if, if this is now the discourse at the most elite sector of media and news and information within legacy media and spirit of the age America, if if there is no there is no veneer or aura of maturity or decorum between them and just any other spirit of the age blog or rag, I, then I think that again people need to be reminded of the fact that you aren't going to be able to share a country with that because it has absolutely no intention of sharing a country with you. If it did, it wouldn't seek to instantly dehumanize you for having any form of a different opinion. You do that to beings that you view as beneath you and that you want to control, not beings that you view as being on an equal playing field as you and just may have different opinions and perspectives. And, and I think what it is, it reminds us, too, that tolerance is a one-way street. Uh, the New York Times point of view is a one-way street. You don't have a chance to disagree with it. Matter of fact, if you are a follower of Tucker Carlson and you watch his TV show regularly, you know they have all kinds of names for you in regards to why you shouldn't count. And the last time they did that to a segment of the population, that segment of the population elected a guy to be president. 
So I think with the New York Times coming out with this story, matter of fact, I saw uh, Tucker Carlson's tweet about it, holding up the New York Times piece and kind of like, hey, read this, you know, kind of thing. I mean, he was pointing it out, like, how ridiculous is this? One is I think what New York Times is doing is going to benefit our audience. I mean, the tickets are probably going to sell out faster than they otherwise would have. But two is I think the message Tucker is going to communicate I think it's one that the New York Times should want to would want to hear and would want to cover. So we'll see. Uh, it's his first opportunity to, on this type of a stage in the state of Iowa. I saw other tweets from other major media personalities like Maggie Haberman and so suggesting that now Tucker's going to run for president because he's coming to our leadership summit, which happens to be in the state of Iowa. And we've had a lot of presidential candidates in. What I can tell you, Steve, there is he and I have had no conversation about his intent to run for president. But you keep poking a bear like that, who knows? He might say, why not? Over the weekend was the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner, which I, I just, there, there's, there's not a level of care for <laughs> to get me to talk about it. So something other than, um, hey, we caught the other side in a bad joke or a cringe or some other clickbaity thing, it would require that in order to get my attention. Hmm. And in this case, I think what happened over the weekend, and you know, I have a very high regard for Republican Party consultants. Oh, you are. I'm surprised you don't have them on the payroll. Indeed. I mean, that's my phone is just uh, is littered <laughs> with uh, instant set calls and callbacks to the GOP consultancy industry. This is one, though, that even they're going to figure out, I promise. The moment when Trevor Noah says, you know, since you got into the White House, you know, things have been looking up. Rent is up, food is up, gas is up, right? And and Biden laughing at that. That is the easiest GOP campaign ad of my lifetime. Like, if you're Mitch McConnell... You get you, you don't have you can continue not standing for anything. Just just, you know, spend 150, 200 million dollars this fall. Just run in that. And that clip is your only ad. Yeah. That's it. You don't have to say anything. You have to bookend it with anything. You just run that clip by itself. Your thoughts. Well, I think you're exactly right. And so this is an easy one. It was gifted to him. It was handed to him. Biden's had a history of doing that. If you're going to run a subsequent ad or a follow-up ad to it, you'd have Biden himself saying to the National Press Corps, hey, you guys are the only ones with a lower approval rating than me. And and even though that's that can be funny, I suppose it could be a joke, but the fact is, He's at an all-time low approval rating, and because of the rent is up, gas is up, everything's up, inflation's on the rise, uh, and he's laughing at it, leadership not being taken seriously. Is I lament this, by the way, uh, that I think it's a problem that if we're going to have a two-party system, there's no way for it to not devolve into some form of duopoly or symbiotic relationship. That's just the, that's just human nature. I don't think it benefits us. I mean, I, I, that's why you guys have an event called the Leadership Summit. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think it benefits us in any way to have one side of that literally go off the lunatic fringe because it lets the other side of that not have to do or be or stand for 
virtually anything other than we just won't castrate your kids as fast as they will, right? I mean, I don't have to take any leadership at all. Rick Scott about a month ago at Trump's urging came out with like a mini version of a contract with America of what Republicans would do if they got control of the of the Congress. And it's it's all stuff we would agree with, but it's also talking points from like 10 or 15 years mm. ago that are pretty trite. And like McConnell and everybody was out in the media the very next day. Hey, we're not going to be doing that stuff. We're not going to be promising those people. We got, we got Pakistani gender studies to fund. We're not doing that. Okay. Because they, they've all been taught that it prospers to be hacktastic. You don't have to stand for anything. These people are just demonically insane and just look like you're an adult. We, we've been down that road before. Remember, I think we talked last week. When are we the most bold and courageous? When we're in the minority. And here's going to be a deal is that at least we're not that bad. Take a look at Biden. Take a look at Kamala Harris. Look at what they're doing to the country. You need to elect Republicans. Why? Where's the bold and courageous leadership? Where's a vision that we could really get attracted to and say that we want to get behind and that we want to support? And that's why I brought up Donald Trump last uh, last time with you too, Steve, in regards to why are we seeing some of this stuff? The guy at least was bold and courageous. Go back to the White, White House Correspondents' Dinner uh, when Obama was doing it. Who did Obama poke fun of at that Correspondents' Dinner? He poked fun of Trump. And with Trump in the audience and making fun about my birth certificate that Trump made him prove that he had. And so what happened? Trump, I think that is the night when Trump left there. Trump said, I'm running for president. Whether he ever intended on getting it or not, uh, but that's when he said, I'm going to do something about it. I, we would like to see some leaders say, I'm going to do something about it. And that's why we're excited to bring Tucker Carlson in, because it's going to go be on his show as the uniqueness of the leadership leadership summit to give him a unique stage to communicate a vision for America that we could rally around. Well, that's good stuff. And, you know, a new thing we want to introduce on the show, and you're the perfect candidate. Uh, whenever we have uh, an in-studio guest here on the show, uh, we have a parting gift for them. Uh, it's just they may often choose not not to actually take it. Uh, and it, and it comes, <laughs> Indeed. Um, and it, it comes from our friends over at uh, Tyga Coolers. And they have for you, as a guest in the, as a guest, uh, in-studio guest in this program, a... Uh, a commemorative, uh, special, um, and designed just for you, Lindsey Graham uh, cooler lid uh, from Tyga Coolers, uh, where you too uh, can get to the bottom of it. The cooler, uh, not Lindsey Graham. Uh, and you can uh, k- take advantage of their phenomenal coolers, uh, all American made. Um, and from the uh, the workers that Lindsey Graham hates the most, American workers. All right, uh, get that today with the promo code Steve for ten percent off. See, this is a real thing. I'm I know, I, okay. I love it. All right, all right. I love so, it. I'm sure the and, cooler and is a good cooler. There, there, there's the lid right there for you. All right, you, you can take that with you. Getting to the bottom of getting, it. you can get to the bottom of it with Lindsey Graham if you would like to do that because that's he he likes to be at the bottom. And you can do that uh, when you go to tigacoolers.com. T A I G A for tigacoolers.com and use the promo code Steve to get 10% off whether it's a regular cooler or a special commemorative Lindsey Graham or anything else that you want to have customized for you in all seriousness they're fantastic coolers all three of us have customized coolers and I've got the bonus lid for when I'm feeling particularly frisky and I throw on uh, Lindsey Graham is on top so Bob good to see you again as always good to see you as well All right, we'll come back with hour two And we'll get to some Ask Me Anything. Are you taking that with you? 
wait to be part of the Cooler Club. Are you taking that? You bet I will. All right, it's yeah. all yours. All right, all you right. can have at it. Thank you. We'll come back with hour two here in a moment. Oh, and a blessed Aid Mubarak. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and of course all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, steve at stevedace.com. That is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show and also on Getter at Steve Day Show. And yes, we are now finally up on Truth Social. Just look for at Real Steve Dace there. At Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. If you are uh, an Apple owner, because if you're an Android or a desktop person, you can't get on Truth Social yet. But they told me that should change here within the next 30 days. So, so sometime this month, we shall see. All right, so again, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social as I try to break their algorithm over there. And I just want to mention this again. I know I said something about this earlier. I'm, I'm, I mean, I just continue to get a lot of really cool notes in my inbox, and I do appreciate it. I mean, this probably was the most blessed Aid Mubarak I've ever had, and uh, a lot of the great well wishes that uh, uh, I've, I've gotten from you guys in the audience, um, it just... I've mentioned this before, uh, the amount of positive notes that we get um, compared to Haterade, it, it's overwhelmingly tilts towards the positive. It's just the the Haterade, um, you know, tends to get more of the attention. And on such a solemn occasion as Aid Mubarak, when we have a chance to just kind of pause and reflect and, uh, and then to see all those uh, good notes uh, come into my inbox, um, I, I just... I wanted to make sure I mentioned that at least one my, more time here I, this hour. I, I'm sorry. My Aid Mubarak just tur- took a turn for the worse. It did? I made coffee during the break and I forgot it out there. So now I'm trapped in here for the next half hour without any coffee. Well, you know, it, that, that, now you've got some time to, to, to pause and reflect yourself without your idol of coffee. What you talking about? I'm talking idol. about, yeah, your idol of coffee. Yeah. On the flip side, this a law, a, you know what? That's a law's deliverance right there. Inshallah. You left your coffee. So now you've got time to pause and reflect. The sales, though, on our My Aid Mubarak Cup Runneth Over t-shirts are going through the roof right now. You Didn't get, we have it, a president it, named Aid Mubarak? I think I think Egypt did. Ah, okay. Yeah, I gotcha. think it, it was something like that, or Hosni Mubarak, or... Something like that for a long time. But yeah, you can get, um, it, and yes, they still do have the Aid Mubarak. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, they still have those uh, over at the Blaze shop as well. All right, so there you go. Uh, this portion of the, of the program uh, brought to you by our friends over at Omega XL. There are 360 places uh, that uh, in your body where Allah placed uh, these things called joints, uh, and they are crucial for uh, flexibility, mobility, activity. But as we get older, uh, they can also become serious hubs for inflammation. I mean, I mean, when was the last time you did the, the Hajj to Mecca on foot? So you know what I'm talking about, okay? That's why you want to make sure 
uh, to check out our friends over at Omega XL right now. Uh, they've got an all-natural anti-inflammatory backed by three decades of clinical research and the fact that I've used it pretty much every day for going on three years so I can personally testify uh, to its effectiveness. And if you want to give uh, Omega XL a shot, you can do so right now. Uh, buy one bottle, get a second one for free, inshallah, right now uh, when you visit Omega XL dot com slash steve that's omega xl.com slash steve or you can call them at 800-844-4888 that's 800-844-4888 all right are we ready for some ask me anything yes we are all right so uh this week we decided to see if we could actually get any facebook questions because no one is getting my post or responding to them currently on facebook but we did get some questions it's right? an aid mubarak miracle I should have known better than to doubt Aid Mubarak. I am ashamed. But you have some good questions. <laughs> here's the thing I still don't think that this is over yet. Am I wrong? I mean, I still think that we can drag this oh, one of well, you at least a little more, at least know. a little more. Something, I don't think we're at the finish line yet. Something's over. I don't know what it is, but something. <laughs> That's the only thing that can explain it. This, it's over. <laughs> Do you need a moment to compose yourself? No, I think. I, I think. <laughs> yeah. Give me a second. Okay. I think I'm okay now. All right. This is going to be like a Rorschach test. Every question you just ask is he's going to see nothing but Aid Mubarak. You ready? I'm ready. All so right. you selected the questions, Todd. I did. Nothing is, is off from limits. Darren, Darren go ahead. Did you have a blessed Aid Mubarak? Okay, now I think it might be over. Okay. I think I think I think I think we got to the finish line on that one. Well done. All right, go ahead. Gordon Dunham says, which federal agency and its state counterpart would be bring the most change to everyday Americans if it was abolished? Um, the IRS. And if the American people simply had to write a check to the federal treasury every year. Especially if it was in like October or November. Every year. Yes. Um, the end of the year, right before the election. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. So no withholdings, nobody monitoring any of that. And you're just given a, we, we'll just give you a flat rate. This is what you owe. And you got to cut that check to the, out of your own pocket to the Department of Treasury every single year, particularly as Aaron pointed out, uh, if it was between uh, mid October to early November. That would enact the most amount of change I can think of, and I used to, I used to do shows on this early in my career. That if I could, if I could install one policy, it would be to end revenue collection via paycheck withholding and to force every American to write out that check themselves every single year to see just how much of their prosperity and productivity is being confiscated from them every single year. That's why I thought it was interesting to ask it again, because you have said this multiple times, but I can't remember if we've discussed it since 
COVID training madness and if you had like moved right. on to something else. That's a good point. Now, of course, we just had tax day in the rear view mirror. All right. And so that's, by the way, it's not a Lindsey Graham reference. But um, that to me, I still think would have absolutely the biggest, because that, that, that would get, that's granular and it's molecular and meta at the exact same time. That, it, it, that as individual households would be forced to confront just how much of their hard work is being taken from them all at once, the full Monty, as opposed to just a little bit at a time and you never see it. I mean, we're on a second generation of Americans now who don't even look at the gross on their pay stubs anymore, right? Okay. Just look at what the net is. What's my take-home pay, right? Okay, and I, that's that's wiring and brainwashing that I think if we undid that, would dramatically alter the relationship we have with our government that would have repercussions on a meta level in terms of funding the entire monstrosity. Next up, Elizabeth Lyons says, what state do you think will have the biggest quote unquote upset come the November 22 midterms? I've not looked in depth at the map. Um, so I've got a few states that I think, let me look at it right now. What, what real clear politics Senate map 2022. So I don't know. And this just goes to show you how much this show has changed. Yeah. I mean, I would have had this all memorized off the top of my head. Every gubernatorial seat that was open, uh, every Senate election seat that was open. We're sitting here in May. The year's almost half over. Right. And I've got to, I've got to look this up in real time because I don't know this off the top of my head. Okay, let me let you know what if we're going to go for an upset. Like to me, Pennsylvania is not an upset. That's a state Trump won in in 2016 and probably won in 2020, except for all the cheating. So I I don't view that as an upset. I wouldn't view Nevada um, something happening there as an upset because that's a state that has trended red in the past. Same with in Arizona. So. Overall, this is a fairly favorable map for Republicans on the Senate side. If we're going to go for an upset, though, um, let's... I'm going to go to New York. And there's a, isn't there a gubernatorial election there this year? Yeah. I'm going to say that I think it is possible... And this gets into what Paul Alexander was talking about on Friday when when he thought the Supreme Court rebuking Roe v. Wade would be a, a help to Democrats if for no, nothing other than stop them from hemorrhaging with their own base. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. On the other hand, the one group that would be the most upset about that would be affluent, woke white women. And as we've already demonstrated and all the data points pull out, there is ample support amongst that group for them already. In fact, it's the only group that they haven't lost and even gained a little support with, okay? But if we're going to pick an upset to me, and I don't want to, you know, and I, lo- I, I and I like Dick Vitale. I've met him in the past. Great dude. But, you know, Duke is a four seed is Dick's idea of an upset on Selection Sunday, okay? No. Upset to me means an upset, something that you otherwise wouldn't pick to happen. Somebody's got to be at least like plus 200 on a money line. Fair? Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say, watch the New York governor race. And ironically, it may be the fact that 
they have been so terrible that they've driven so many people that would have voted against them out of that state to a place like Florida. It might end up saving them there, right? But you've got infighting there in the Democratic Party with what happened with Cuomo, and then you've got the the LG who took over, but it's the AG who really wants the job. Um, who announced her candidacy, yes. I believe, and then said, well, I'm suspending my campaign. Yes. So, uh, and I think, isn't it Giuliani's son running in that race, if memory serves? No. Does that sound right? Let me look that up. New uh, Governor Map, 2022. I believe Giuliani's son is running. And so I'm not a huge Rudy Giuliani fan, but he's got something that is vitally important in elections. What is that? Name ID. Name ID, baby. Name ID. All right. And so... um, I'm going to say watch that. Like, I don't think I don't think Whitmer losing in Michigan is an upset. I don't. I think it's probably 50-50 she survives. It's a toss up there, but I don't I don't think that's an upset. So if I'm going to look for an upset, I'm going to say it's watch Andrew the Giuliani. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the New York governor's race that if you have a, a truly historic wave. And I think we're going to have a wave. I, mean, I, I don't I don't know what at this point well let me rephrase that there are several things that they could do Elizabeth to stem a wave it's it's there's several of them they could do I don't think they want to do any of them because the intent of this is demonic it, it's the intent of it is to create and manage a decay of a of a country of a society a, from the great Democrats a generation ago started with the great society to now we're the decaying society. Eat bugs, open borders, empty the prisons, kill your kids, right? We're, yeah. it's, it's the decaying society now. Um, so it's going to be a wave because the things they could do to stem it, they just don't want to do any of them because this is demonic, not politics. Now, if we have something of a biblical level of wave in response to the biblical level of whatever this is uh, that is doing this to us at the moment, I could see, and, I, and if I recall, that's how George Pataki got swept in in 94 as, as, as governor of New York in a big upset over Mario Cuomo at the time, right? If I, if, is my memory right on that? Or close to maybe oh, right? If you don't got it, I don't on okay. that, quite frankly. So that I'm going to say watch New York's governor's race. That's a long-winded way to stall for time to come up with an answer that in any other iteration of this show, I would have had, bang, an answer for you, but... I just don't even research these maps or anything anymore. <laughs> right? So I'm going with that as my non-educated guess. Next up, Scott Duffy says Tulsi Gabbard was on Tucker telling the audience that she wants to defend the Constitution, but she sent she spent most of her political career attacking it. She is 20 percent with us and 80 percent against us. Will she ever get called out for this or will the Republican Party just keep moving left? Well, one, she's not a Republican. So, I don't, I don't know what, and trust me, I'm not looking to absolve the Republican Party from accountability, uh, but she's not a Republican, number one. Um, and, I, I, and I don't know her at all. Never met her once. Closest I've come to meeting her is getting to know her former strategist, Paul Alexander. So, I, this has, you know... I don't have any personal stake here one way or the other. 
she's actually crafted for herself a very clever niche. And it, it goes back to what I said on the roundtable when Paul was here on Friday and we were talking about Elon Musk. And we got into what would be the, the benefit of Senate Democrats following through and calling Elon Musk to testify. How would that possibly, and I made the point to Paul, how would that possibly go well for them? Right? I mean, it, if it, it would be one thing if you said, well, I, I mean, I bought Twitter because I listened to the Steve Day show all day long. I've read all of Ben Shapiro's books, and I'm just here to let you know that thus speaketh the Lord God of hosts. They would want that, right? Yeah. They, would, they would want that because that's something they could feed their crazy base. The Christian yes. nationalists are here. All right? I mean, but he's not, he's not that guy, is he? No. So he's going he's gonna to go there and he's going to say, I proudly voted for Obama twice. Y'all went buck nasty on me, and this is nuts. And I have all kinds of disagreements with the Republicans that are sitting next to you. I just don't hate them like you do and think that it's probably better for society if we actually defeat arguments that we're against as opposed to uh, try to censor and shun them, which only just lends them their credibility. Like, you know, what you guys are doing. And that's why you're going to get your asses kicked in November. Because if you're losing people like me and Bill Shatner, who the hell else are you losing? When he, when he says that, Right. When he's, and by, by the way, I'm pro-choice, and I went to I went to a gay marriage last week. Yeah. When when he says that, that's going to freaking level them, right? It's going to devastate them politically. There's no win there, in my view. Okay, that's the niche that 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 Tulsi has carved out for herself. I mean, her she's she has carved out whether intentionally or non. Maybe it happened organically. I don't know because I don't know her. But her niche is she's the Democrat version of the classic Reagan line. I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. She's more damaging to them still identifying as a Democrat and going on Tucker Carlson to say these things about them than becoming a Republican. And so since she's not a Republican, I, I just I don't know that these kinds of things apply. I'm not being asked to support her as one. She's not running as one. Now, if she were to be Trump's running mate, which I absolutely still believe the Trump campaign team would love to at least have her consider, then I think your point becomes much more relevant. But I think it requires something where she formally identifies as a Republican before we have that conversation. And and frankly, I don't know a lot about her record from the past because I don't vote for Democrats. Moving on. I barely vote Republicans. So that tells you a little bit about me. Jeremy Sinkwich asks, are you a young earth or no. old earth creation no, believer? No, you didn't. This is the new eschatology. Are stars that are millions of light years away what our physics and telescopes tell us? Or did God create them with light in root or from or one of the other common explanations? You're welcome. I'm Catholic. I, I, had, I, I had a very blessed Ayid Mubarak. <laughs> I used to be fascinated by these questions, Steve, and I used to ask some of these questions on three questions, and and the answer essentially that you gave me and that you gave well that that you gave the audience is uh, is God all powerful or not? That's essentially that, 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 that really is that's my that 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 is my answer. Is God all powerful or not? Is he sovereign over his creation? Is he transcendent? Or not, and so uh, attempts to explain creation away in some sort of scientific way that makes or to sense impose to us. Our, our understanding that's of scientific laws of upon him, ise- yeah, yeah, that's a form of eisegesis, yeah. is what it is. Do certain camps within your Protestant tribe is this? I, I'm 
I'm interested in this from this perspective. Uh, is is the answer to this a threat to the point that if it is old earth, like the er, the inerrancy of the Bible falls apart to them? Is it that? Is there that much at stake to people? Well, on this, to some degree, there. That's a that is a that's. I think that's a very limited group, even within know, even within young earth creationism. That I, I think, but is this why this matters? Does it matter that much? Is not just the answer to one question. This answer is the answer to the whole question. I think it of depends the on the question. I, I think it depends on the questioner. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, I think it's a legitimate qu- question. Sure, it is. Sure, I think it's a legitimate question. I think the concern with answering this a specific way or pulling or or holding a specific view is that if you if you answer what I think it's old Earth, then you're then you're letting the camel's nose under the tent of um, evolution. Essentially, I think it's older. Or maybe it's younger. I can't, no. I can't remember. I think I think that's the the, the concern here with holding a, a certain view. Um. Let 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 me say the following. That, um, there's absolutely a correlation. In in all of our worldview studies, we have looked at this. Okay, have 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 shown there is a correlation that those who do not believe in a young earth or or that humanity is young, that humanity is only is 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 is, is we're we're talking thousands of years and not millions. There is a direct correlation that those who abandon that are much more likely to abandon a lot more of what the Bible has to say about um, virgin virgin births and everything else from that point forward. There is a correlation. Now, the debate is, is, is why? Is it because that's the only correct view? Could be. Is it because that the reasons that you would, uh, you would abandon that are not because you've done a, a true study of, of, of both the Latin Vulgate and Masoretic text uh, manuscripts we have of the Old Testament and what the Hebrew word that is used and translated in each of them uh, is for the word day, right? It's, it's not because you've done some serious, I, you know, um, hermeneutical work on this question and because your motivation there is still to know what the Bible means, Okay but because you have decided to impose modern rationalist modernistic thought upon the scriptures in order to violate what Paul says in the New Testament not to do which is to no longer be conformed to the thoughts and patterns of this world and so if it if it possibly offends the people who told you that uh wearing a mask stops an airborne virus that um standing six feet away from somebody will stop you from getting covid getting jabs five four five six times will stop you from getting covid that the earth was originally co- uh, heading to a fr- uh, an ice age and now is going to uh, burn us all up to see where i'm going with I this do. that your desire often it's because your des- it's the same thing by the way when we get into complementarianism with genders percentage of churches that put a woman in the pulpit because they think that they 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 have found a unique deborah vis-a-vis well we're just doing it to look modern and progressive what do you think the odds are it's the latter. it's overwhelmingly the latter it's overwhelmingly the latter like i would guess 90 10 i would guess 90 10 at least it's the latter 
to, to conform to the world. And so similarly, a lot of the debate about what the word day means, what's its translation in the Latin Vulgate, which was the first written copy that we had in the church translation of the Bible for hundreds of years, or the more ancient Masoretic texts that we have now. All right. We don't, a lot of people don't even know what that debate is even about that to me, that's rightly dividing the Bible. Attempting to say, well, we can only carbon date for tens of thousands of years, and it's pretty confident that this, that this fossil is millions of years old, and I don't want to look like a nitwit, so I'm going to, you know, or a single-celled organism. So you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Th- those are, that doesn't mean, by, if, if motivation matters in a biblical worldview more than anything else, getting to the right answer with the wrong premise, you get no credit for it. Well, I didn't cheat on my wife. I didn't steal anything from anybody. I didn't murder anybody. Well, it doesn't matter. Do you? Did you uh, worship any other gods? Did you fashion something else as a god for yourself? Then it doesn't matter how good of a person you were. See my point? Mm-hmm. This is always about motivations. So, do you have a? An, do you have um, one of these positions dogmatically because you? either want to be Bible exact man on one hand, or even though you haven't exactly researched the question or the latter, which is I want to conform and not look stupid. Okay. And, and, and frankly, that's a lot of the reasons why we have a tendency to take a lot of the positions on a lot of these issues. Um, I'm not saying that there's no, nobody that has, I've had Hugh Ross, who's an old earth person in the past on this show numerous times. Same with Ken Ham. I took my family um, to uh, the Creation Museum. They were just breaking ground on the Ark when we were there. It's a great place, by the way. If you've not been, it's really cool, and I would highly recommend it. So I'm totally fine having serious conversations about this. I just think a lot of times our conversations about it aren't serious. All right, moving on. Interesting question here. Jameson Killam says, why are women so much more susceptible to the spirit of the age? Because it is emotion driven. And so are they. And that isn't, that's not a pejorative. God gets mad in the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's getting mad? An emotion. It's an emotion. Yeah. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. What is that? It's an act of of emotion, of cherishing, of affection. Moses writes, male and female, he created them in his image. He made them. So the spirit of the age hasn't always been emotional. We've seen the spirit of the age, hard logic, um, cruel, calculating, utilitarian, um, anything outside of a, of a very specific translation of something that fits our purview cannot be accepted. There cannot be um, uh, accommodation on any level. We have examples of that yeah. within the spirit of the age, right? Sure. Right. But in this era... In this era, the spirit of the age is largely emotion-driven, and that's why. 
And this is chilling from my perspective. You know, I talked about the entropy of history now all the way back at transgenderism. Well, Steve's analysis of the garden applies to this right here as well. Yeah, the women are doing this, but his question is apropos both in the garden and here. Where are the men? Mm-hmm. The women are doing, where are the men? There, there's always the women showing up, even in good uh, her, uh, heroic reasons. But men are just sitting back doing God knows what while the women are hysterically going into the breach over and over again. I think your analysis is pretty much the same in both places, which is why this is what gives me the most pause that we may be at the end of all things here. What, at, at the very least, we are discussing the end of Western civilization because once we untethered emotion from truth and emotion became truth, yeah. I feel, therefore I am. If you hurt my, if you hurt my feelings, if you offend me, you shouldn't be able to say things, believe things, do things, illegalize or illegalize things. Once we separated emotion from truth and there was no filter. And by the way, in the past, we've separated truth from emotion and it's lacked compassion. Mm -hmm. So you met, you used the term, the entropy of history or the ebbs and flows of history in the age in which we live now. I mean, in Germany in the 1930s, you had a very cold, calculating, logic, science, materialistic, you know, patriarchal system. Uh, Anything can be demonically warped. Yes. What we have here is we first separated emotion from truth. Then we made emotion a truth unto itself. And so now the spirit of the age comes to us first and foremost on an emotional appeal. And that's the answer to your question. We'll come back. More Ask Me Anything here in a moment. Parents, you have a fundamental right to raise your children. Uh, and direct their upbringing. But that right, of course, is under attack from government schools, government, pop culture, and pretty much everywhere else. Uh, That's why you want to support organizations that are fighting for you on this and many other fronts like Alliance Defending Freedom. They represent all of their clients pro bono. For those of you that went to public school, pro bono means... Never mind. Uh, Anyway, um, they uh, they represent their their clients for free which means they need donations from people like us to cover the cost. If you want to donate, make a tax-deductible donation to Alliance Defending Freedom, as I have done, which is why I'm confident in suggesting you do the same, you can go to adflegal.org slash Steve. They take cases all the way to the Supreme Court regularly. adflegal.org slash Steve. That's adflegal.org slash Steve. This meme that I just retweeted, you guys showed me. With, with, I mean, I, I can't even do this thing justice. From this guy, Todd Erzin's beard. Um, Mary Aid Mubarak. It's got me in the Islamic getup. Um, with Aid Mubarak uh, carols. My favorite, do they know it's Aid Mubarak at all? <laughs> Because that one plays on a couple different levels. The answer, of course, is no, because um, no one knows what in the Sam Hill that is, uh, including the people that were tweeting about it yesterday. Uh, and uh, um, 
The the people need the visual. Okay, here. this is it. This how great is this? This is from Todd Erzin's beard. Sorry, didn't give this is. Do I get name, image, and likeness from this? Since it's from my beard, you do. Um, you get my extra my extra pork. Yes, you do. So that is that is exceedingly well done. All right, let's get back to ask me anything, Aaron. We'll go to Marsha Secure, who says, It's often said that those who don't study or understand history are doomed to repeat it. If you had to apply that to the nightmare we're currently living, what history or histories are we reliving? Uh, I... All of them? Well, I started talking about this last year when I watched this documentary on... The rise of the Third Reich. And man, I'm like you, Godwin's Law, we used to strictly enforce it on this show, okay? Um, but the thing that stuck out to me is how in one, one generation, one, the children who were walking the streets with these black and white silent films of what Berlin and cities of Germany looked like in the 1910s leading up to World War One, and I mean they it, it looked like you know a, a Jules Verne movie an H.G. Wells story this was as modern as any place maybe more so than any place in the world and then Within a generation, the children that walked those streets, that got on those trolleys, those trains, okay, the children that walked those streets of that modern metropolis, by the time they got to about the age you and I are, are Zeke Highland, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just launching an ethnic cleanse in a genocidal, maniacal war, the worst in human history. Same people, same culture in a generation. And so when we, when a lot of times when we use German or Nazi analogies, it's the idea or really any historical analogy we assume that the manifestation of those impulses will look the exact same. And that's why it sounds crazy that we'd fall for the exact same canard again. Right. Okay. But the canard is not what is happening on the surface level. It's the lies that you believe internally as a people and as a person, we get all caught up on the manifestations, right? What does it look like from the outside? Um, it's really what's going on on the inside that matters the most. The idea of compliance to the state. The idea that the state replaces the church as the chief teacher of and dispenser and purveyor of ethics. The idea that to go against the state means, or, or to have a, a contrarian opinion means you're a lesser citizen. That there's a certain class of experts that are just more highly evolved than everybody else. That's what's at the heart of what we're talking about here. 
And that is at the heart of what is going on in our culture right now. We're not going to have tank brigades and triumph of the will uh, events at, the, at, 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 at massive gates in Nuremberg. It's not going to look like that. We'll have uh, George Floyd funerals. We'll have rainbow jihad rallies. But the impulses are the same. Someone, um, I want to make sure I get this question exactly right. Because somebody asked me this question on Twitter yesterday. Oh, they, they said, hey, when I see a Ukraine flag in someone's social media bio, I just react to it now like I would if they in, in the past if they had a rainbow flag. Now, and my response to him was, the circumstances behind each are dramatically different. There are people in Ukraine, millions of them, that have been murdered and or displaced unjustly from their homes. That is true. That is true. But the social media impulse driving each of them absolutely is similar to show I'm compliant. The value we have in not thinking for ourselves, the value that is placed on not critical thinking, on not challenging, on not questioning, just com- compliance now is the highest ideal. That is some Germany 1930s kind of stuff right there. It'll look different. We're a different, more modern society. It'll be more diverse. But it's the same impulse. Compliance is the highest value. I comply with the regime. I dare not think for myself. And those are also the lessons of Russia. Fall of 1917. That's animal farm kind of stuff. And I, th- I think what's happened here is we thought we defeated the Petri dishes for these schools of thought over there. What we've done in this last generation is we didn't realize it's like the classic thing on the horror film where some of the black goo gets on the, the boat, the final clip or some remnant of the monster, right? You know, ended up making its way onto your ferry or ship as you think you're speeding off into safety, kind of sends the signal in the last frame of the movie. Uh, the story's not over yet, mm-hmm. right? That's what's happened here. Some of the hammer and sickle, some of the iron cross um, latched on uh, to our cargo ships, our ferries, our boats, and it and ended up embedding itself into our institutions. And now here we are. And if we don't think in one generation that this thing, you let go of the rope, in one generation... In 1998, Bill Clinton signed the Defense of Marriage Act into law. 
1998. In 2022, if I go on the two leading social media outlets in the world or in the country for thought, or really any of them, any of them, YouTube's actually the biggest one now, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and, I, and I'm adamant Richard Levine is not a woman because men can't become women. I'm probably getting banned from all of those. And by a lot of the same people that voted for Bill Clinton for president in 1998. When it goes, it goes fast. Thoughts on that answer before we move on? Oh, you're of course right. We've got about uh, seven minutes here and several more questions. You want to go uh, kind of rapid fire? I'll, I'll do my best. You bet. Jeff Kuzner says, will we get 34 states to pass a convention of states in the next five years? I don't know, but I think that's probably the timetable you're looking at for it to actually be relevant and have a chance, given how fast we are decelerating right now. John Karn says, what's something that you did you thought you would be that would be stupid and you ended up thoroughly enjoying? My brother-in-law took me frisbee golfing, expected it to be dumb, but he loved it. I haven't done that in a long time, but frisbee golfing kind of is cool. So I've done that in the past. Um, we've got a tradition in our house where uh, I will, quote, take one for the team from a movie selection standpoint. You know, so thankfully I'm not married to somebody who needs a constant steady diet of lifetime level movie, you know, romance stuff. But once a year, I'll take one for the team. And the reason we installed this tradition is because the first time I did this was with a film called The Notebook. Now I'm going to say something and later on I'm going to deny that this ever happened. Totally gaslight you, okay? But that is a great movie. After it was over, you know me, man, I'm always thinking of an angle here. And I'm like, you know, we could kind of make this an annual tradition once a year. I kind of take one for the team, you know, and let you pick. I'm about as familiar with the notebook as I am with Aid Mubarak. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. So, um, you know, me, I'm always trying to figure out what's the angle for where I can get ahead. That's just the way my mind works. How do I claim as a win? Because I kind of thought, you know, maybe some of the movies in this genre aren't that bad. So I kind of make it look like up front. Doesn't matter. My wife never listens to the show anyway, so she won't hear this. Um, I kind of make it look like up front. You know, I'm showing the softer side of Sears, right? I'm being accommodating. And then I end up, you know, um, maybe once a year, a movie that I, according to the dude code, would never pick to watch. It just worked out a couple weeks ago. I watched... um, Oh, I can't remember what it was called now. The retelling of the book of Hosea, the Francine Rivers book. True Love. True Love. Redeeming Love. Redeeming Love. Yeah. Worked out again. That turned out to be a pretty good movie, man. So, there you go. I'm total Han Solo right now. That's not where I thought this question was going to (laughs) go. Yeah. Uh, Moving on. Kelly Caldwell. Bill Gates has just stated that the pandemic is not over and a more transmissible and fatal variant is coming. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are... We uh, grabbed our ankles and showed our uh for the spirit of the age 
with this virus, so I have no idea why I wouldn't try this again and again until we show that it's not going to work. Ryan Lewis, thoughts on the new theologically conservative Methodist denomination that launched today in separation from the United Methodist Church? Is there I, any was, particular reason why you selected that one, Todd? Because I hadn't heard anything Neither about I. it, but if it yeah. actually happened, I mean, I don't, you guys are just looped into things. And I, I've I wanted to know if you knew about yeah, it. This I, is the first time. I, first time hearing about it as well, but uh, if, if true, I'm in favor of it. Rich McConnell says, how do you biblically justify studying the enemy on Theology Thursdays when several principles in Scripture say to be simple concerning, concerning evil? Actually, on that last question, I did have a reason. I did think it might have something to do with Ayi Mubarak. <laughs> uh, nice. Um, I, I don't understand the question. I would, I would want that question to be... Yeah, I don't quite understand it. To either. be fleshed out a little, a little more. I mean... Um, much of the New Testament is actually written in exposing and contrasting with heretical beliefs. So I'm just taking that to a different step. I mean, that's almost every epistle Paul writes, frankly, and that's much of the New Testament. I'm, I'm just taking that to another step in applying it uh, in, in, you know, uh, from a, on a cultural level. So I, if you want to more specify your question in the future, but I don't understand the question. I just think kind of simple lever, uh, be wise as serpents. He's telling you to know thy enemy there. And on a more complicated level in you know, Romans, I mean, the exegesis on, on sin, I do the sin I do not want to do. I mean, it's, you can go with the 101 version or you can go with the PhD version, but you're getting this all the time in the Bible. I've, again, I thought maybe I was missing Thess- something. Thessalonians, but- Paul confronts uh, false teachers about the return of Christ. In Galatians, Paul confronts a cult known as the Judaizers who literally worshiped at the altar of circumcision. In Colossians, Paul confronts early Gnostics who were, who were denying that Jesus was God. I mean, I, I could go on and on. Yeah. I mean, I mean, much of the New Testament, Jude is two chapters, and mm-hmm. the entirety of it is about confronting the spirit of the age in that period of time. Romans Listen, one, isn't this what we mean? Yeah, I just, I just don't understand. That, that's why I don't want to be let's, flippant. Let's, uh, maybe I don't understand his question. Let's put it in another context. I think if, if this, putting it in, a, in another context, are we then not to study the uh, proclivities of the people running places like Planned Parenthood in order to then target them more? Efficiently, do you see the question? Yeah, I mean, that, there? That, yeah, that's basically what I'm going for. Now, if the if the question is, or is there a concern with a fixation on evil to then being attracted to it? I, well, I completely agree with that temptation. I don't think we're glorifying evil in any way, straight in any uh, stretcher, you know, way. But but other than that, I, I'm not sure what that question is in relationship to, because much of the New Testament is exposing darkness and contrasting it with light. So. That'll do it for today's program. We are back editing tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, I know it's a day late, but you also have a blessed Aid and Mubarak, or whatever the hell that is. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.